you're listening to the Seven Transformations podcast. For access to the latest content, including the show notes to this episode, stay connected at the7transformations.com. Create a life you love. Transformation is an ongoing journey, and it is good that we don't have to walk that path alone. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my weekly podcast sharing life lessons on and off the competitive floor with a few stories in between. Thank you for joining me on this journey. And now, let's create a life we love. Welcome back, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Tudor Alexander, and this is my podcast, The Seven Transformations. Happy Friday. Today, we are back with another Create a Life You Love interview where I interview people from a variety of places, artists, entrepreneurs, business people, professionals of all kinds, on how they are pursuing their passions, creating a life they love, and living it full out. My guest today is Lawrence. What's up, Lawrence? How's it going? Or Larry. Do you prefer Larry? I like Lawrence. You like Lawrence has some yeah, sophistication I- to it. I like <laughs> Well, Lawrence and I have been buddies for quite a while. He's uh, he's an awesome guy. I'll let him tell you more about what he what are you up to in your life these days, Lawrence? Um, just dancing, teaching, uh, helping people grow and dance and enjoy this area of life that is often neglected. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, that experience is something I think everybody deserves to have in their life, the the connection, the the little spice of life, right? Correct, correct. What do you what do you find the most uh rewarding about you do this full time, right? Correct. I, yeah. yeah, I dance 7 7 days a week. I'm doing something related to um to dance. That's amazing. And how long have you been doing that? I've been um full-time dancing in the sense of of not just social dancing, but instructing and teaching and promoting, doing events and things like that mm. for about four years now, okay. four and a half years. So n- not terribly long, but I've been dancing for about 10 years though. Yeah, yeah. And what's your favorite part of the process, the experience of what you do? Um, the the pro- I would say my favorite part of the process is probably twofold. Um, it's first... It's both uh, enjoying seeing my own growth, obviously, is a big part of it. Um, just seeing the process of, of learning and growing and maturing and seeing the improvement and things like that if you invest mm. the time. And along with that, consequent with that would be watching my students grow and mature. And A lot of my dancers are starting to get really good. Yeah, yeah. I so saw that last rewarding. performance. That was really cool. You guys were really cutting up another level here that's that's awesome yeah they're really getting there and i would say that's probably a little bit more rewarding as i you know as i grow i'm not the youngest guy in the in the building so it's it's you have to learn to find um, satisfaction in others and seeing their growth is is uh starting to become more rewarding and, and richer for me as well yeah that's beautiful i think everybody who i've interviewed who is doing something that they love somehow is connected to benefiting other people and contributing to their life that's the highest reward that we can we can find precisely well what uh you know since you were a kid i mean you got some latino blood here right so were you dancing your whole life or did you just pick up dancing formally like you know a couple years ago 10 years ago or was this something part of your whole whole life well i've always always have loved to dance um but my earliest dancing was always more of the main whatever was going on mainstream in high school Mm -hmm. or what the people were doing in the videos. So I never had dance. 
No, I never <laughs> did break dancing. <laughs> I always that's one thing. of my biggest regrets. I wish I could break dance yeah. every time I see a guy doing you that. You know, I was always the guys, the guy, the hip hop guys going against those guys. Yeah, so nice. I was always like, no, no, I shall not touch it. <laughs> <laughs> the rebel. <laughs> well, that's cool, man. What got you? What made you take the step towards like a partner <clears throat> dance situation? I mean, going oh, okay. from a solo dance kind of hip hop, like you know, it's way too cool for for that kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. that's what I would imagine. So what? Well, when I first started dating my wife, um, she was um, dancing, I think, cumbia or something like that. Uh-huh. So that was, the, that was my first. Do you want to um, give her a shout out? Hello, out there, wife, wherever you are working. <laughs> I realize you're paying getting up early every morning. Um, yeah, so I wanted to, of course, impress her. And, and I went in a st- the local studio down the road. I was working in the gym at the time. And I just, I, the only thing I knew to ask for, you know, was salsa. Everyone calls everything Latin salsa. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So she started teaching me that. I'm like, this isn't exactly like what I thought I was watching. But I was like, I really like this. This is really neat in terms of, uh, I like the idea of being able to dance with one person for the entire song. Yeah. With these complex turns and things like that. It was very fascinating. And it wasn't long before I was addicted. Yeah, the challenge of it. There's always some new movement or some kind of different direction you could take it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, yeah, I loved it, and that's how I initially got into it. And then it wasn't just a few months after that I knew I was like, this is this is my my passion. That's amazing, man. That's that's awesome that you could discover something so meaningful to you in a relatively short period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, what with your relationships when you decided to, I guess, take the plunge, let's say, into teaching, into you know doing what you're doing now, group classes, creating events for people. Now you do a lot. So how were the relationships in your life reacting to that? You know, were they supportive? Are they more supportive now because, uh, you know, you're much more successful? How how did that look like? I'm very fortunate in that regard. Um, I, I did make a transition, and I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, from, from ministry. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> from actually helping pastor a church and things like that for a long time, about 10 years. Wow. And during that period, I started making the transition into dance. It was for a lot of people... Um, supported me no matter what. I'm, I am fortunate that my friends and family and, and my wife and everyone supports me. Hmm. But it, I, I won't say that there wasn't an eyebrow raised in the sense of like from ministry to dance. That's kind of, you know, you don't see a lot of people make that transition. <laughs> but at, at the end of the day, I felt that that's where my passions um, were devoted to. And that's where I was headed. And I felt like I had a, a, a wider impact yeah. through that. But yeah. yeah, everyone supports it. I, you know, no, no one has, has, um, not supported me so i've been very fortunate in that regard that's beautiful awesome i think that's one of the key components honestly is just having that social support uh and people you can count on especially during the fragile period of time when you're setting something up still you know yeah. it's, it's really important well was there a time when you when you took the plunge and you, you decided to follow your dreams here was there a time when you can look back and it was kind of like a pivotal moment in your confidence uh, in, in the faith of what you were doing. Like, let's say you got your first group class gig or, you know, you taught your first private lesson and you, you know, got some money for it. You know, what was a moment you can look back on? It was kind of like your big break, so to speak. That's a really good question. I, that's, it's probably more of a process, I would say. I, I don't recall a specific moment mm-hmm. um, I did know very early on when I started dancing I, I've always been gifted with the ability to teach people whether it was um, personal training or or scripture or the Bible or whatever I was mm-hmm. teaching I, I knew I had a teaching gift so I knew 
if I had a passion in something, I would try to master it. And then it is, it was quite natural for me to move on to teaching at some point. It's mm. just kind of always been my, my spiel. So I knew, um, as the, in the process of dance that eventually I, w- I knew I would teach somebody. So it was more of a realization of, of the passion and the gifts that I knew that I had. Some of the earlier things I think, or when I started teaching at Paragon were, were pivotal moments when people opened doors for me, even though I, I hadn't been teaching very long. So there were some people who I think maybe saw some, something in me they they thought that it was worth opening a door and, and getting me mm. a leg up and so i appreciate that guys like sean Saleh and, and things like that um opened the door for me very early on yeah gosh that was that was about four or five years ago wasn't it yeah man i was about i was wow. about five yeah about four or five years ago now. <laughs> time flies holy smokes <laughs> it does i don't think sean is even here anyway is he he's still... around he, he pops up every now and then oh okay uh, shout out to Sean. If yeah, shout there. out to Sean. We haven't seen you in a while, man. Thank you. Thank you for the leg up, brother. Well, with your future and what you're doing, kind of picture yourself you know, as a future self, future ideal self, or what are your visions for yourself and where you are right now? What do you have to do? Who do you have to be? What do you have to get to to get there? You know, What do you have to contribute to others to get there? What is the the difference between those two pictures look like and what do you have to do to get there? Mm -hmm. I would say some of the markers that I'm trying to achieve are um, I want to contribute to this particular art form in some way. Um, Add a building block, whatever that, you know, a form of knowledge, a form of movement, opening up the movement, opening up the art, retrieving something maybe from the past that's been lost and just Hmm. um, contributing it to in a significant way that is, is, recognizable as my contribution and that's um probably what i'm striving for at the moment it just requires that i you know pursue the art in a deeper way Mm. and push myself the long term i would say is obviously something on the in the line of like a reproduction i want dancers to to continue this art form and and be able to teach others and pass on the the knowledge and things like that that i'm doing Mm. um, currently or, or striving to achieve when you say you bring back something uh, that has probably been lost, that really kind of interests me. Are you referring to, like, let's say, different cultural aspects of the dancing from, you know, 50, maybe 100 years ago or more, and incorporating them into a more modern modern flair or social dancing? Like, what can you expand on that? What do you mean by that? Yeah, precisely. Salsa is a—the term salsa, because, I, I mean, I'm a hard, as you know, I'm a hardcore salsetto. That means I pretty much— <laughs> only do salsa, um, which is, is, it sounds like one dance, but as you start to delve deeper, it's actually, um, salsa is just an umbrella term for, um, for a multi, multitude of dances actually yeah. that go all the way back to Cuba from, uh, you know, obviously a lot of the slaves were taken during the slave trade era, hmm. um, from Africa down into Cuba and this culture mixes in Cuba. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about that whole story is that the slaves there aren't really, they're allowed to to maintain their traditions as opposed to like an American um, slaves where they kind of had to renounce everything. So for sort mm. of, a, so they could keep their dances and songs and things yeah, that so, were important to them. Exactly. So that's why we don't really see a whole lot of that here, that, that element of culture there and sometimes in American um, culture, but in Cuba it mixed with the culture and, and it, st- it became Afro Cuban and they mm. have these fascinating dances and folkloric dances. And there's like, these dances that go back hundreds of years that are the roots and even the rhythms are the roots of what we do, um, you know, on every, on a Friday night or a Saturday night dancing salsa. Wow. That's really interesting. So I, I, I like to retrieve that element 
Um, and there's a lot of beautiful mo- uh, movements and meaning and, and, you know, that dancers can retrieve uh, not only for movement, but for depth and history and purpose and, and realizing that you're in a, a long line of, of people who struggle to maintain their identity in the face of a great crisis. What, I think that's beautiful. What, what efforts are you undergoing or that you hope to undergo to bridge the gap between that rich cultural history and something like, let's say somebody who just kind of got an interest in salsa, but, you know, just started, obviously there's, there's this education gap. We don't learn about that kind of stuff in school. We don't necessarily learn about it through pop culture either. So, you know, it, it falls upon, let's say somebody like you, who is very passionate about it, who's living that life, who's very educated about it to communicate those those things to those people. So how do you make it interesting? How do you bridge the gap between that culture that has so much to offer uh, and the modern culture and people who, let's say, just picked up this dance as a little hobby, right. uh, but but this could really contribute to their life, knowing about those things. It could really contribute to their understanding of their dance, uh, you know, and that kind of thing. What, what are some efforts that you want to do, maybe that you're doing right now, to bridge that gap yeah wonderful question um because most people who come in the studio hey they just you know again they just want to either twirl a girl around or you know have a have a a friday night dance and and get away from the humdrum of life and then i'm here teaching them folklore and and about (laughs) (laughs) about afro-cuban religion and things like that and so i'm trying to like instill this uh you know i got a captive audience for someone who who maybe comes in for something like you know a foot deep and then i'm trying to make them swim in the deep end yeah. right out the gate it's not easy that's sort of my experiment at the moment yeah um, the best thing that i can do is while i have them i do try to educate them and open their minds as, as quickly as i can and, mm. and try to like you know i always have anywhere between three and 10 new students every every week and i know you know not all of them are going to stay but while i have them i say hey you know I usually give them a quick 30 second spiel about when I first started dancing, it was just to impress my, the girl I was dating then who was my wife now. And, and eventually if there's not something deeper here, you don't understand that, you know, it can get more fascinating. There's a, a continual progress and this will get boring and it'll just be another hobby or something that you've tried and, and got away from, but there is depth here and there's, um, uh, you can keep growing in it and it doesn't have to stop at just, the social element, there's, there's more and it all can be incorporated into that social. I, I mean, I use folkloric dances in my social dance. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, there's still depth to it as well. And, and it allows people to find de- something deeper. Cause I think that's how we are as human beings. If we're not constantly growing or maturing or, or reaching deeper then things tend to get boring after a while and we, our attention is drawn elsewhere. So I try to open their minds as early as I can and, and then start getting them, open to those ideas and then start training them in it as fast as I can. And if they take the bait. Yeah. I mean, some people are going to take it and some people are, you know, going to move on, but at least you pretty much stood your truth in a sense and, yes. and communicated what you feel is right. I, I can relate to the, the whole conversation because I think, you know, as a professional artist, anything, you know, we're both dancers, but regardless of what you do, knowing the history uh, of what is behind what you're doing. History is such an important thing because it gives you such context mm-hmm. for everything. You know, whether you're in business, whether you're an artist, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Understanding the context of how you have come into the industry and what you're doing 
it's so critical I, with dancing. I love learning about the historical, you know, uh, you know, whatever the history of the dances and understanding how they came to be, because it really it's it's not just about the movement. It's about trying to connect to the original human experience that was created when those dances were formed. Like, why mm-hmm. was this particular dance danced this way? Oh, okay, they were feeling this and they were celebrating that and I want to connect to that experience you know and so it's so interesting to study those things it's yeah. really the, the study of the human condition mm-hmm. so yeah. precisely well got a couple questions for you about the journey and your struggles possibly what recently or maybe you know from your past was there a challenging memory that you can remember and more importantly how did you get back to love and motivation from that situation. In, in reference to the um, art, correct? Yeah, yeah, in reference okay. to your journey in doing what you're doing now. I'm not, well, that's, that's a, uh, you know, I think we always, we always wrestle with self-doubt. Um, yeah. And it's something I always tell my dancers, you know, that half of your journey or your challenges will be what your own self tells you. You're too old, you're not good enough, you're not talented enough. Mm you can't do it or you don't have enough money to train enough or, you know, there's a host of negative thoughts that flood our mind when we start trying to learn something. And, and part of being successful in, in, in any endeavor, especially in, in dance or any endeavor, fitness or whatever, uh, requires that you silent, learn to silence those voices or just to ignore them or drown them out with positives, uh, a mindset very early on, you know, I had, let's see, when I first started Mambo was maybe about 20 students and then when I transitioned, um, lost about half those students. Oh wow! And then had some embarrassing performances. <laughs> when like you that. transitioned uh, to what? Yeah, to Scottsdale. So I went from I went from the west side, and then I moved the class from the west side to the northeast side. Oh okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I lost about half the students, and then um, once we started going to con- there's like you know these big large events, I started to realize like man, I'm really underdeveloped in my dancing. Mm-hmm. as an instructor and i felt that inad- inadequacy especially during a few performances and, and mm-hmm. things like that where i just knew i was not where i needed to be in my dancing and that was disheartening and, and disappointing and, and even embarrassing because there were a few performances where i mean i just totally you know in front of my students just couldn't even keep up with the people teaching yeah yeah so i just took that um, embarrassment and just decided to push harder and to work harder and and not to let it hold me back. So those are some early challenges, I would say, and and um, learning to just push past those those losses and, and and strive to be better. Yeah, that's great. Well, what's is there any current recurring obstacle? You know, we all have these things that are constantly showing their ugly head. Whether it's something material, you know, like a you know issue with with just the process of what we're doing, or maybe it's something internal, like. You mentioned self-doubt. What right now is your biggest recurring obstacle, and how do you accommodate for it? How do you recover from it? How do you deal with this? Um, I mean, obviously, there's like we might—I don't know if you want to call it. There's bad habits that I that you know that seek to hold me down: laziness, um, inconsistency, lack of discipline, things like that. That Mm. you gotta resist and, and get in the studio every day and train and things like that. And when you're your own boss like i am basically it's very easy to let a day or two go by here or there and, and to waste time hmm. that's the biggest mistakes that i make is when i you know i don't seize as we we had a conversation on facebook i don't seize the day every day yeah um, when i can 
um, some of the wider challenges of what I do, just because, like I said, a lot of my passion is wanting to contribute to this art form, is Phoenix is not generally considered like a major hub for salsa dancers. Yeah. So I'm trying to, it's like, you know, you have like LA and New York, and then there's these big groups in Italy and great groups in Mexico. And those are all kind of hubs in Cuba. And those dancers have a leg up just simply by their loca- location. Right. Because they're, they're, you know, if you're from New York, you have access to all those resources. Yeah, that resources. And then if you're from New York, there's already like a branding there. So coming from Phoenix, I have to work, you know, twice as hard promoting myself. And, and, mm. and I have to be tw- even better as, you know, as good as I can be in order to even gain any recognition. Because I try to represent our, our state as well as something that can be respected for our contribution yeah, get the to the word it. out there. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, a, I would say that's an external challenge is location. Mm-hmm. And then right. my personal challenges, which tend to be on the lazy side. And things like that. <laughs> what do you think? I mean, laziness to me is interesting because I, I don't know. I think that from the outside, we tend to call ourselves lazy. Um, but I don't necessarily believe in laziness. I think that I think we're all, when we all want something, we're connected to what we want to do it the impetus for action is is just natural there's no resistance so generally there's something else in the way and then we just kind of say oh well, i'm just being lazy i'm i'm yeah, lazy like what what is it to you you know is it what is it to you like for example i know i used to hate waking up early mm-hmm. and you know it would wake up late i'd just call myself lazy and all that stuff but really it was more just i didn't want to take ownership over the fact that I wanted to stay up late and, you know, play video mm-hmm. games or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would, you know, that's a good question. Maybe distraction. Yeah. Maybe getting, getting easily distracted instead of saying, okay, you know, I'm concretely going to do this from this time to this time every mm. day. I could say, oh, well, you know, now I need to do some flyers or um, for me, the first, the most important thing for me is I need to, I need to improve every week. Yeah. I need to grow. Like your so, own dancing. Basically. Yeah. My own dancing. Technical. Yeah. Because I just feel that if I'm if I'm better, then my students will be better, um, and I can accomplish everything through my my continual growth. What are you doing for that? Are you taking a lot of coaching? Are you practicing with a partner? Are you practicing yourself? I do most of my. I don't practice a lot with a partner, um, but I do. I do Afro Cuban training. I do um, flamenco training. Oh, nice! And then anytime I can, I another another way that I I get training is that I bring an artist for these events every four weeks. So I find dancers, and this is kind of a two-way benefit for me, kill two birds with one stone, is that I bring these artists in to perform and teach workshops, and you know it helps them and it makes the community better. And then on the flip side, I get to train with them for a few days while they're mm. here. So I kind of, I, I use that as a way of, of getting artists to me as opposed to me having to travel. So I, I, I train, I'm training with dancers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good way to kill two birds with one stone bring the coaches in, share them with everybody else and take advantage of it. Exactly. Too. Yeah. And I always tell them we're going to the studio Friday. They're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Yes. Yeah, so I, I drag them in there and then I make them dance with me and I see kind of observe and I learn things from them. And then just by wa- either I learn a lot from watching, you know, I'm a very observant um, dancer. So I, I see things and I pick up on things and then it opens my mind and pushes me in new fresh directions. And then I'm able to continue to inspire my students because I want my students. It's not that I try. I teach my dancers that you need to have at least you know three coaches. You should learn from a lot of people. You know wherever you can get learning, great. But you know at least two to three close, committed coaches in your life in in terms mm-hmm. of the dance. Whether it's you know one ballet teacher, one Latin teacher, one 
ballroom teacher or whatever teacher that is, but you should have three coaches, not just me. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I also want them to feel like they can continue to learn from me. Um, I don't want them to feel like, oh man, I'm, I'm stuck here with Larry and out of commitment. I see a lot of, this happens a lot where dancers grow, but they feel so committed to the teacher that they stay there mm-hmm. out of, out of, uh, shame or yeah. guilt or something. Yeah, they don't yeah. want to leave them and feel bad for them, but then they're kind of, their growth begins to stagnate because the, the instructor's not committed to personal growth. So I don't want mm-hmm. my students to feel like they're in that situation. Yeah. You want them to experience that there's a vision, you know, even for yourself that you're moving forward and they can ride that wave with you. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do is I, I tell them I'm inviting you on a journey. I may not be the best or, but I guarantee you my dancing will be different in three months than it is now. And I'm just inviting you on this journey with me to grow. Yeah. So I look at it more as a process than, um, you know, obviously a destination per se. That's great, man. Well, what are some useful strategies to keep your creative flow moving? You know, how do you stay in that zone? How do you stay in the mode to create, whether it's choreography, whether it's, you know, new ideas, whether it's, you know, talking to people and and creating, you know, new experiences, new events, new classes. How do you keep your creative flow going? Learning absolutely has all, for me, it has everything to do with learning always learning something new in terms of my dancing. Mm. I mean, if I, if I can train weekly in Afro Cuban, there's, there's like a limitless amount of moves and musical concepts and wow. things that are working on there. So that always keeps things fresh. And then when I bring artists in, I'm always learning or if I'm traveling, then I, I try to take private lessons and things like that. So if, if I keep learning and then I, I'm being pushed in directions where I feel I'm not strong in it, it, I'm a person who does, I don't like inadequacy in my dancing. So it, that keeps it fresh for me. Mm. Continued learning, pretty much. That always keeps you in that creative flow state. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. What advice do you have for people who are, I guess, looking to do what you do, or even just learning to dance, or you know, looking to maybe pursue it as, as something more than just a casual thing? What advice do you have for them? You got it. <clears throat> you have to give your. You have to commit. Um, whether that means, like I said, maybe talking to a teacher or an instructor and saying, Hey, you know, I, this is something that I want to accomplish having those specific goals. Mm. I want to dance similar to you or better than you or like you or, or be like you or whatever it is um, that your particular journey is, but you have to make some level of, um, personal commitment to that and, and put yourself on the line. I think what happens with a lot of people, is just like fitness. If I always found the, the dance, the people who were more sick when I used to do personal training, godly. Ten years ago, oh wow! The people who were always were successful were the people who invested in personal training because they didn't give themselves that way out to you know work yeah, out for a group class where they can just have no accountability. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of I would say you have to invest in it. You have to make a sacrificial commitment so that you can set yourself up for success. Because if not, you're you're just gonna you know our nature is just to f- fall off the wagon because our culture is. Uh, I always tell my students this especially my new students are we have we live in a culture of of now a culture of easy over hard simple over difficult things of that nature so we're culturally conditioned to not to not want to do this process mm. so i i i tell them you not only you're going to be challenged in a in a very physical way in terms of movement and dance and rhythm and things like that you're going to have to fight your culture own cult your own value system and you're going to mm. have to re- learn to replace a value system to learn to appreciate um, difficult over easy and, and lengthy over quick mm. and simply, you know, complex over simple. And so their values have to change. So, you you know, it's also a process of that as well. Hmm. And that relates back to that process. Like I told them, 
if you can change your values, if, if you learn to enjoy the process. Yeah. Be more process driven than yeah. outcome driven. Correct. Yeah. Well, anything you're excited for that's coming up as far as whether you're, you know, work, you go to any conventions, you, anything outside of what you do that you're excited for that's coming up? Yeah. I'm headed into the, uh, you know, I, they have these big events, these three day events, which God, are so expensive. <laughs> Uh, but I, um, I have, a, I added a team this year, which for me was a big step. Oh yeah. Nice. So this is your first year going with a team. Yeah. Oh, and wow. the official like Mambo exquisite team. Oh, dancers. sweet man. That's so, exciting. Yeah. So the team is swelled. I, you know, I've only choreographed for like maximum eight people. Now it's swelled to like 30. So I, I've been wow. running around like a chicken with a head cut off trying to figure out how to do that kind of choreography. <laughs> so it's been a, a really fast learning process for me, but now we're, um, headed in the busy season. We have a, events and things like that every month we'll be traveling for the rest of the year so i'm excited i'm headed into that busy season and um, the first six months of the year for me are usually more of a of a a determination to really improve my dancing so that when i go to these events um i can make a yeah you have some cred pretty much yeah so i'm excited i'm ahead i think my dancing has and our dancing has grown considerably since last year so i'm excited Mm. to see what impact we have and and to again to contribute to the growth of dancers not only in, in Phoenix but elsewhere. That's cool, man. Well, what's what are you grateful for right now? What's the biggest thing you're grateful for? Oh, that my health. You know, I, I'm fortunate. Like I said, I I'm not the youngest guy around, but man, how old are you? Take his guess. I don't know. I thought you're like early 30s or something. Oh, no, I like you, bro. Yeah, yeah I'm late 30s. I'm 38. Oh wow, yeah, nice. 38. Nice. Gonna be it's all those supplements you're taking, man. <laughs> All the sleeping in I'm doing. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> See, it's keeping you healthy, man. Waking up at 11. There's that's my good. secret. There's yeah. my secret. <laughs> no, I've been fortunate um, in terms of my health. And, you know, I'm always thankful for that every day. Yeah, that, that is a key pillar of life right there. Oh, man. And especially, especially in, in the dancing. Yeah. yeah. So Absolutely. I'm very fortunate for that and, and thankful for that, that yeah. I, have, I have that still. Any final words of wisdom on creating a life you love for people listening? Um pursue your passions, ignore the doubters, ignore the people who want to tell you negative things about it and ignore your own self doubts, pursue it, give yourself over to it, sacrifice, invest in it. And, Mm. you know, just ignore all the negativity and, and even, and you're going to accomplish something and you'll be glad you did. It's just, if we, if we do it, we'll be happy. We made that sacrifice. So I would say, yeah, go for it. That's beautiful. Where where can they find out more about you? Instagram, Facebook? I'm everywhere on Facebook. <laughs> so I apologize beforehand. Mambo Exquisite uh, is the dance company. We have a page. Lawrence Garcia is my Facebook. Um, and we're always doing stuff with dance. And we try to make ourselves very known in Phoenix. So chances are, if it's salsa related, you'll, you'll see me around uh, at some level. So come find me. It's a place to be with DeSoto every Saturday, right? Yes, every fourth Saturday. Every fourth Saturday. Okay, That's the salsa one. Nice, nice. Well, that concludes our interview on creating a life you love today, guys, with uh, Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Tune in every Friday where I hold some great conversations with these amazing people about their journey towards living a life full out. Entrepreneurs, artists, medical professionals, even musicians, anyone who has a story worth sharing. And if that's you, let me know. Let's chat. I wouldn't mind interviewing you on the show and helping you uh, share your story. So you can reach me through my website or social media accounts. I hope that this episode has been a contribution to your own journey in creating a life you love. And if you know anybody who would benefit from it, there's 
no way to tell what kind of difference it'll make when you share it with them. We find ourselves in each other's experience. So uh, likewise, if you want to support the show and its future growth, more episodes and content, I love creating this stuff for free. It does take some time, though, so I've created a Patreon account if you want to do that on a regular basis, or you can just do a one-time donation through my website if you so feel. So anyway, all that stuff is online. I donate 20% of all my proceeds from this show to charity, so you can check the community page and uh, see what kind of charities I'm involved with and let me know which one you want to support through your donation. So let me know, and thank you again so much, Lawrence, for being on the show. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. You're listening to the 7 Transformations Podcast with your host, Tudor Alexander. For weekly articles on creating a life you love, stay connected at the7transformations.com.